Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Serenity Sunday is now hybrid, meeting in person at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills and on Zoom. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroups webpage at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live in either iteration. Now that we're meeting in person, Serenity Sunday has regular meeting expenses and would appreciate Seventh Tradition donations to help support the meeting and this podcast. You can donate via Venmo at Serenity Sunday. Last four digits of the phone number are 6255 or through PayPal, Serenity Sunday 1212 at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday podcast are those of the individual speaker and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And now, our speaker. I'm Laura, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Laura. And this is my first in-person meeting in almost three years, and it's my first, well, maybe I've led a meeting online. No, it's been my first in-person meeting, so I'm a little nervous and excited. I'm actually very excited, because this, the other room was my home group for decades, and I've known some of you for decades, uh, 34 years. Um, May 3rd, 1988 was my first meeting at 3rd and Flores. A Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday night meeting. So are there any newcomers? I didn't see any hands. Okay. Well, welcome to every... Oh, there's a newcomer. Hi, Candace. Great. Welcome. And uh, hi to everybody else who I know and who I don't know. So, um, so I'm a compulsive overeater and uh, I ate over all kinds of feelings. I ate over anxiety, loneliness, depression, um, sadness, frustration, disappointment. Ooh, that was a really big one, disappointment. Um, because I didn't know what else to do. And I ate over um, happy success. So why on earth did I eat over success when that's what I wanted? When I my career advanced or when I dated or when all kinds of things that I wanted, why would I eat over that? Couldn't understand it. Um, because I had been in therapy, so I knew I was eating over feelings. And I knew what to eat to lose weight. I was old enough. So why, when I was on those diets and I lost weight, I couldn't keep it off. Well, I didn't know that I had a disease. I didn't think it was a disease for the first few years I was in OA. And then I heard dis-ease and that helped. Because I couldn't imagine this was a disease. It's not cancer. It's not tuberculosis. But it didn't make sense. I learned I had a threefold illness. Spiritual, emotional, and physical. And I knew of the emotional, but I didn't know about the physical and I didn't know about the spiritual. And I kind of didn't believe it. The person who 12-stepped me, 
who thought I was going to help her in her career in networking. And we had dinner at the Cheesecake Factory in Beverly Hills <laughs> 34 years ago. Now, of course, the Cheesecake Factory in Beverly Hills was one of my haunts. You know, I would go there and order from that case. That was before they renovated it 34 years ago. And I'd order one for him, one for her. Oh, yeah, he really likes that. Oh, she really <laughs> likes that. And there was nobody but me. And I'd get those to go. And with a plastic fork, I'd start eating it in the car. And it got to the point where once I took the first bite, I was knew I was doomed. It wasn't even gratifying anymore. For years, it was. For years, it worked. You know, it worked enough that it calmed me. And then I was so miserable. I thought, oh, no, here I am again. Oh, no. What am I going to do now? So we had dinner and she ordered her dinner and she said, no flour and no sugar. I said, why are you doing that? She said, because I'm allergic. Anyways, you know, she said, I said, I said, have you not had a chocolate chip cookie? No, not for five years. I couldn't believe it. How is that possible? So she then started to tell me about Overeaters Anonymous. And I'd heard about AA, but I'd never heard about OA. And she started to say the first step. And um, the first half of the first step admitted we were powerless over food. Well, that kind of got me because I thought I'm not allowed to be powerless over anything especially food, because I should know better. And um, it's all I should know better. So I came to my first, and then she started to talk about the rest, step one, and then step two, and step three. And by then she lost me. So thought, this is a cult. So, I mean, this is weird. But I went to that first meeting a couple of days later. And Ida, who you may have heard of her theme, she spoke at that first meeting. And, you know, that was it. I mean, it wasn't easy. And I started, I got a sponsor and I started to go to, she required three meetings a week. She said four. I said, I can't, I have a career. I'm a functioning person. She didn't have to take a, com a commitment at a meeting. What? Get there early, set up chairs. I'm a responsible person because I wasn't a flake. I was a functioning, compulsive reader, functioning. Yes, I had work, but I'd come home and I'd, you know, just binge by myself over and over and over. So, um, so soon, you know, I remember after 10 days of going to meetings, I came home from a meeting and I wanted to eat a pie. You know, I didn't want one piece anymore. I knew there was no such thing as one piece anymore. Now, other people have different sensitivities. I don't believe everybody should not eat sugar. I, I really don't know what anybody should eat anymore. I used to think I knew. Because <laughs> I used to think I knew. I mean, I knew a lot. And I still fall into that with my husband and my son, because I really do know better. But you know what that gets us. So, uh, you know, these expressions, let go and let God, you know, one day at a time, turn it over write a dear God letter, put it in the God box. I didn't believe in God. I believed in my father who knew everything and my mother who knew everything about design. So <laughs> that still is with me, my 
second guessing and my uh, I don't think I know. I mean, there's a difference between knowing and, you know, kind of knowing where I think I know what's best for everybody. Yet we we intuitively learn how to handle situations that used to baffle us. And when I read that in the big book along the way, I went, really? Because I didn't know what my intuition was. That somebody would say, "What? listen to your gut. My gut, my gut was always full. How could I listen to that gut that was stuffed? And there was no room for it to, for here, you know, for it to come from anywhere but up here. I'm jumping around, but um, there's somebody here who's new. So I, I, I don't listen. This is, yeah. What I hope today is that I will, what I say will help anybody uh, for today to not eat compulsively, to not binge for today. Uh, it's too overwhelming to think of doing it. It was for me to think of doing it for more than one day. I used to drive home from work in early abstinence and clutch the steering wheel because I wanted to make my stop. And then, and I'd have to pull over and write or pull over and call somebody. So I didn't go to 7-Eleven. I learned I had a craving, the phenomenon of craving. I thought it was all emotional, but it's a physical, for me, a physical craving. And when I read that, that took a lot of pressure off because it's really not my fault. I mean, I have to be, I, I am responsible for myself, but it's not my fault if I have a craving and then I give it and it sets up, something sets up a craving. And after three weeks of not eating sugar, because that's what I thought I would try one day at a time. Because I, when I, what I heard in those meetings is I felt like what people talked about and I felt like what I thought an Add it would feel like, which is just wanting it more than anything, but not wanting it. That being torn, I want it, but I don't want it because I don't want to feel that way again. But what am I going to do? How am I going to? How am I going to get over the anxiety and the craving? Well, calling, writing. I didn't really believe in prayer yet. Going to meetings, calling, crying, writing. And uh, listening, listening. And the, those of you who've known me a long time, I, I'm so grateful who, to those of you who have answered the phone when I called, when I shared, who gave me support and kindness and acceptance. Um, you know, I heard, let us love you until you can love yourself. What a thought. And um, so after three weeks of not eating sugar, oh, that day I wanted to eat the pie. That night I came home from the meeting and I wanted to eat a pie because the feelings were just like, what am I going to do with these feelings? I have big feelings. I think a lot of us have big feelings. Once we, in my experience, once I put down, the, once I stopped using the food to smush them, then they're there. And um, so I picked up the phone. I, I believed you guys when I heard this is anonymous and you can call people off a list. And I did. And I called a number of people and they weren't there. But I knew I was going to eat if I didn't talk to somebody. And then to be able to talk to a stranger and tell them, I really want to eat a pie. 
And I don't know what she said. Maybe she said, well, what's going on, honey? I don't know what she said. And let me tell you, there were times when I'd call people and they didn't say what I thought was the right thing to me. They were impatient. It felt like they were judgmental. I don't know if they were or weren't, but I was very sensitive. Like somebody could look at me the wrong way and I would think, why are they judging me? So you guys helped me learn that not everybody is noticing me all the time and noticing everything I do. I still sometimes think they are. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got I, I got more right-sized in here in every way. But in my brain still, I there's, you know, I'm still work on it. But God, I, I really took myself seriously for many years. And I heard people say, easy does it. And I heard them say, you know, the first five years, you're a newcomer. And so after three weeks of not eating sugar and going to meetings and doing all those things, I was I had a, a, a spiritual experience. I was driving on the 101 towards downtown from uh, the valley. And all of a sudden, I, I looked around. It wasn't bumper to bumper, but it was traffic. And I felt at one with everybody on the freeway. I thought, we're all in this together. Like, And I didn't know that it was a feeling I'd never, I don't remember having before, a feeling of calm and serenity, like a oneness. And I thought, what's that? So I ended up telling two of my new friends in a way, and they, I'm Jewish, and they're both, they were both born-again Christians. And they said, that's God. I went, okay, I don't know. So um, I, I used to call, uh, I remember one call in particular, calling an old timer, saying, you know, I know my character defects, and why can't I get rid of them? Because I know they're not working, and I know what they are, doing this, you know, writing, doing the steps. <clears throat> humbly ask God to remove and he said you can't get rid of them it comes in God's time you can um is that five minutes I see some oh no is there five minutes left oh five six six oh good thank you um yeah so but there's action to be taken you know we and we then we we know what they are we ask god to remove them and then we direct our attention to what he would have us do and be and that helps me to remember that on a daily basis and i have to remind myself of it or somebody else reminds me because you know after 34 years i do know i have a lot of experience strength and hope <clears throat> and i still need this program I believe as much as I did the first day I came in. I don't want to go back to that way of living, that way of eating and that low self-esteem and the demoralization and the inability really to be grateful. I'm, I'm a worrier. It comes very naturally and I'm really good at it. <laughs> and uh so i i have to you know i need adjustment on that on a daily basis and um you know because when i worry i think i'm actually accomplishing something 
you might identify with that. But I laugh at myself now because I, I, I get it. You know, five minutes. Five minutes. Thank you. So I'm saying all this because I hope it will help you um, to be kind to yourself, to be to have self-compassion, which is something I never used to have because I thought that would be weak. And then I would eat if I was kind to myself. Because I didn't really know the difference. I didn't know how to really love myself. I, and I, I meditate. Early years ago, I was starting to meditate and I liked it and it did something for me. And then I stopped. And in the last seven years, I have a practice and not perfect at it. I learned in here, progress, not perfection. Really? I don't have to be perfect anymore? Um, and what is progress? What's enough? What is enough? Well, in the old days, there was never enough. There wasn't enough love. My mother did the best she could. And I, I learned in here through the steps and through therapy. For my my path has been a combination of both. Um, I learned. I used to hear people say, "My my parents did the best they could," and I thought they're in denial, because I knew my parents could have done better. And I thought you're in denial by saying that, especially if they whatever they did. My my parents didn't do anything horrible. They didn't beat us. Um, they didn't tell me I was stupid. You know, I had such a pretty face. Why couldn't I lose weight? Um, but through the work, I really feel they did the best they could. I don't have that anger anymore towards my mother for her inability to really nurture or see me for who I was or help me help any of my siblings kind of grow in, in my perspective. But she did do the best she could. And it's such a good feeling to feel that when I used to feel such anger and frustration. And she's been dead now, um, six years. And she had dementia the last, the last few years. And I was her, I managed the case. And you now, and the one meditation teacher, uh, Jack Cornfield, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says it more eloquently, but he says, you know, it's it's a thousand tears and a thousand joys, and we take our we sit and we take our chair and sit in the middle of it, and so uh, through the steps and through a belief and an effort to rely, I don't say a pure reliance on a higher power because I forget every day. I mean, I know it, but I forget it. Um, I am able to do that without eating, and. It's pretty amazing if you're a compulsive overeater to not have to eat over life on life's terms with terrible disappointments, with incredible joys. How do you balance it all? So, um, and I, it, it's helpful to be reminded this is a simple program. It's not easy, but it is simple to, to go, I just have to do this for today. And I can pause. When I get agitated, 
I don't always pause when my husband agitates me because he doesn't hear me. <laughs> and he doesn't remember something I told him the day before or earlier. So I don't do this perfectly. But we meditate together sometimes. And we take hikes together. And we have a rich life. And I wouldn't trade it even though he's a person with feelings, which is really hard for me that somebody else who I live with has to have feelings too. And, uh, and they're not what I think and they're not what I feel. But what a, what a gift to be able to live, really. And I feel quite emotional now in all this because it's so profound. And I know this wouldn't be possible without what I found here and what's here for everybody. And it's not easy, but it's so worth it. So I think um, I can stop on that and I'll just smile once for everybody. Hi. <laughs> and uh, that's it. <laughs>